What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Tennis Talk. My name is Cam Williams, and we are at episode 30 of Tennis Talk. We're going to be talking about the up-and-coming Masters 1000 event in Cincinnati next week. Uh, we've got the final of... Uh, of Montreal playing tomorrow, so we're a little bit early, but uh, Montreal tomorrow, uh, Medvedev versus Nadal, that should be a really fun match, but we're going to be talking about Cincinnati for next week, also we've got a couple of stories that have happened over the last week that we'll talk about on the men's and the women's side of tennis, so we have a lot of talk, a lot to talk about on that, and uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see next week in Cincinnati is a stacked field, so there's a lot of players playing next week, a lot of good players playing, the big three are all playing as well, so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, we'll go through the draw, a lot of matchups we'll go through as well as we usually do. Let's start off by looking at the live rankings to start with. All right, so we are at the live rankings now. Uh, as you can see, Sissipas drops down two spots. Uh, both Nishikori and Zverev go up two spots. Uh, go up a spot each, sorry. Uh, Medvedev gets up to a career-high number eight after making the final in Montreal this week. The reason why Sissipas dropped down two spots is because he was in the final of uh, of the Rogers Cup last year, which means that he drops a lot of points because he only made it to the uh, the second or third round. So didn't make up those points. That's why he dropped down. Uh, we'll go down a little bit more. We've got Hashinov drops down one spot because Medvedev went up one spot. Kevin Anderson drops down four spots because he didn't play uh, this tournament. Also, he pulls out next week of Cincinnati through injuries. So a lot of injuries for Kevin Anderson. Keep an eye on him. Uh, Gael Monfils, he goes up five spots after making the semifinals of Montreal this week. Uh, we'll keep going down, see if there's anyone else who has really changed in the rankings. A couple of spots here and there. Guido Pella gets through uh, to number 22 in the world, uh, going up a couple of spots there. Kyle Edmund goes up three spots. Garen goes up four spots to number 32, a career-high equaling ranking for him. Uh, good to see him doing well on the hard courts. Her catch goes up. Uh, to number 40 in the world, which is his career high, up eight spots from last week. So interesting to see that. Also, Dan Evans from uh, the UK, he goes up 10 spots this week. Uh, I think he lost to Nadal in Montreal, so not a terrible loss there. Be interested to see how he goes over the next few weeks. Uh, and then you can see Francis Tiafoe, he drops out of the top 50. He goes down 10 spots. Gasquet goes up 50 to 56 in the world. He goes up 10 spots. Uh, so a couple of different things there uh, happening. Also, Kasper Ruud, he goes to a career-high 54 in the world. Londero, 55, career-high for him uh, in the world as well. Uh, and then we go down a little bit further. There's nothing really happened. Shardy comes up five spots to number 69 in the world. Not really anything much to talk about. Uh, and then you can see Grigor Dimitrov goes down to 74 in the world. Uh, drops down 20 spots. And next week, he has a terrible draw. Uh, we'll go through that in a second, but it's a pretty bad draw for him next week as well. He's down to 74 in the world. Not a great season for him. Uh, in my opinion, he should probably, maybe after the US Open, just not play tennis for the rest of the year and come back fresh next year. But we'll see what he does. We'll see what happens. He's got Agassi in his corner, but I don't know if it's working. So that is what happened with the rankings so far. Let's go now. All right, so that's the rankings. Let's go now to the breaking news of the week. We have five stories that we pick out every week that caught my eye. Let me know in the comments down below if I missed anything that you saw during the week that I didn't see. Uh, but we'll go through some stories now. So the breaking news of the week, we'll start with Andy Murray on Nick Kyrgios. They're friends, by the way. So let's, you know, it's not like a Djokovic-Kyrgios relationship. It's friendly. They are friends. Uh, he's brilliant for tennis, but, and that is a quote from Andy Murray. Let's find out what Andy Murray has to say about Nick Kyrgios and what he brings to tennis. 
Uh, two-time defending champ, a uh, two-time Wimbledon champion and former world number one says the Aussie needs to stri- uh, strike balance between his best and his worst. So he needs to be more consistent is what Murray's trying to say. And I think we all agree that, especially if you're a Kyrgios fan like me, uh, you know, you hate seeing the fact that he wins a title and then loses the first round the week after, which is what he did this week. Um, this is a quote from Murray here, uh, speaking to atptour.com this week. Uh, when he's mentally engaged in matches, he's brilliant for tennis uh, because he's exciting for the game and has a big personality and he's different. Uh, people people enjoy watching that. I enjoy watching that. His match against Rafa Wimbledon was one of the best matches of the tournament. That's really good for tennis. And that's exact. I 100% agree with Andy Murray. Love or hate Nick Kyrgios. What Murray said just then is exactly why he's great for the game. Uh, you can't say he's bad for the game because he brings people to watch the game. Love or hate him, he brings people to the game. So And that and that uh, Rafa Wimbledon match uh, earlier this year, oh, well, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago actually, um, is, you know, it basically backs up that point. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with Andy Murray on this one. Uh, he also says, as someone who knows him well, I like him. I just want to see him do well, uh, do that all the time. I don't like I uh, don't like it when he doesn't try as hard. I have behaved badly myself, so it would be hypocritical of me to say uh, of me to say that I am an angel. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, it would be interesting to see if uh, if Andy Murray, well, he's coming back. We'll talk about that in a second, but um, if Andy Murray wasn't coming back, I wonder if Andy Murray would have been a good coach uh, coaching option for Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios seems to hire coaches that are he's friends with first and then come on as a mentor and he really respects Murray. So maybe if Murray plays for a couple more years, uh, he might jump on the, you know, we are talking, we've had talked about, you know, different coaching, uh, different coaches for Nick Kyrgios. I think Murray being a friend and a coach and a mentor would be a really good option. Uh, also, we all know that Murray started his career off being a hot headed, you know, young player who uh, just couldn't bring it together. Got Ivan Lendl, brought everything together. Um, and then, you know, Maybe Kyrgios can can learn something from a Grand Slam champion like Murray, who he respects and is friends with. So, hey, we might see that in the future, uh, perhaps. Let me know in the comments below what you think about uh, Murray being a coach for Kyrgios, maybe down the track after he retires. All right, let's go to the second story now. All right, so the second story is a little bit of a hard one. Uh, Tennis world rocked by heartbreaking moment. As you can see, Milos Raonic, he retired this week. uh, Not retired from tennis, but retired from his match this week. Uh, Let's just make sure we get that clear. Uh, He he retired against Oje Aliassime through back troubles. And back troubles are not not fun. I mean, if you have a back trouble in tennis, it's usually pretty serious. So let's just see what happened here. We'll go through the story. Um, Raonic, uh, injury-prone Canadian, Pulled the plug uh, against 18-year-old compatriot Felix Ojeali Asim. 6-3, 3-6. So at the start of the third set, he pulled the plug, uh, later citing a back injury. Uh, this is Ryonich's quote here. Uh, the last 30 minutes of that match, just because of the situation we're playing in, being primetime match at night in Montreal, uh, was probably the least enjoyable 30 minutes I've ever spent on a tennis court. So even though he didn't he knew he had an injury 30 minutes before he retired from the match because he was it was two canadians in canada at night on prime time he didn't want to pull out of the match which you know is respect to him because he didn't want to let down everyone who came to watch uh, but you know back injuries are serious you can't just mess around with that so he did the right thing for his career um commentator said such such a shame uh it will be so sore for him to retire here in Montreal. Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure if he's from Montreal. I know he's around that area. 
uh, Milos Raonic, obviously, uh, you know, Montreal has a bit more of a, well, that east side of Canada seems to be a bit more uh, diverse. So his name clearly shows that, you know, proves that he's not, uh, uh, you know, uh, full-bred Canadian, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know where his pa parents are from. I think they are from other countries. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, it sucks. And Canada doesn't have that many tournaments, uh, so there's not that many chances to play in front of your home crowd. I think this might be actually the only chance you get to play in Canada for the whole season. And uh, as a Canadian, uh, not me, myself, but as playing as a, as a Canadian in front of your home crowd, you see Shapovalov do really well in front of the home crowd. Um, but you only get that one chance. So pulling out in front of your home crowd's got to be really tough. So hopefully Rayonic is okay. Hopefully, I mean, he's had a pretty bad run with injuries the last couple of years. Uh, and with such a promising, you know, career, obviously getting to Wimbledon final, doing stuff like that. Hopefully he can, uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he pulls out of the US Open. I mean, a back injury is something you don't want to risk. So I wouldn't be shocked if he pulls out of the U.S. Open, and we might see him maybe later in the year. Uh, he's not—I don't think he has—he's not qualified for London, or he can't qualify for London. I don't think so, because uh, he pulled out of the whole clay court season. So I don't think he can actually uh, qualify. So he has nothing really to risk by not playing. He might just drop down to the rankings. So hopefully he goes away and uh, gets fully recovered and comes back late this year, or maybe even early next year. I mean, you know, it probably wouldn't hurt his ranking to to wait till next year. All right, let's go to the third story now. So we're going to switch over to the women's tennis. <clears throat> and we have a new, here we go. We have a new world number one. Ash Barty loses the number one ranking. Now, as an Australian, this kind of hurts to read. But, uh, you know, I have said in the past that I believe that even though you're number one in the world, and the women's side especially, if you're the number one player in the world, it doesn't actually mean you're the best player in the world. In my opinion, Simona Halep's the best player in the world, even though she's ranked number three, I think. So uh, Ash Barty, well-deserved number one Grand Slam champion this year. Uh, but I always thought that Halep, if she played Halep, Halep's a better player. Uh, anyways, let's read this story. So Ash Barty will get one last chance to secure the US Open top seeding after uh, being surpassed uh, after being surpassed as world number one. So she still has one more chance next week, I think, if she plays well at the tournament. Next week, she can regain number one. It's very close at the top of the women's game right now. Uh, very even overall as well. Uh, Naomi Osaka moved into the pole position to regain the top spot. Uh, and that's because Ash Barty lost in the second round to Keenan, who I think uh, made the semifinals of Montreal. So not a terrible loss there. But um, yeah, it, it, she lost in the second round. Naomi Osaka, I think, went to the quarterfinals. And that's where they overlapped. But what will happen is, I think next week or the week after, whenever they play the next tournament, if Ash Barty does well there and Osaka doesn't do well, then they'll switch again. So uh, Ash Barty still has a chance to be world number one. And I think secretly, Naomi Osaka, she's admitted, we talked about this last week, she's admitted not loving tennis since the Australian Open. Uh, the pressures of tennis, the pressures of being world number one, Grand Slam champion, all that stuff. Defending champion going into the US Open and world number one with the expectation of being the best player to win that tournament. I don't think Osaka wants that. So I, don't, I wouldn't be shocked if... Uh, I don't think Osaka will give up the world number one ranking, but I don't think she'll be unhappy if she becomes number two in the world and then goes to the US Open with the number two ranking, uh, considering she's already got enough pressure with number one, being the defending champion. Putting the number one seed on her would... I would not be shocked if she loses in like the second round from the pressure. So uh, it might be a good thing for Osaka to not be number one going to the US Open, but we'll see what happens. It just sucks for Ash Barty. She had the world number one ranking since uh, before Wimbledon, so she's had it for about six weeks. I have no doubt she'll get back there. She won in Miami, I think, uh, earlier this year. So she can play on hard courts, Ash Barty. 
she can play well at the U.S. Open. I, you know, I think a quarterfinal would be a good result for her. Uh, anything more than that would be amazing. But I think a quarterfinal would be a, a pass mark. <clears throat> I think you know, considering that she won a clay court tournament. So you, you'd say if she wins a clay court uh, Grand Slam, quarterfinal for a clay quarter might be worth. Uh, you know, might be a pass mark. But yeah, let me know in the comments below what you think. You think. Who do you think is the best player in the women's game? Do you think it's Ash Barty? Do you think it's Naomi Osaka? Do you think it's someone else in the top 10? Um, like I said, I think Simona Halep's the best player. She just doesn't have the ranking as number one yet. But uh, that's just my opinion. Let me know in the comments down below. All right, let's go to the fourth story now. And this one's an interesting one. Federer and Nadal join the ATP Council. Now, I've actually heard some weird things happening behind the scenes. Uh, it's a very political thing. I, you know, it's a little bit of a... It doesn't really, I guess, affect us as fans, but it affects the players. It's a player council, so... Uh, Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal are joining Novak Djokovic, who's already on the council, uh, joining the ATP council, bringing the big three together to reshape a, uh, reshape a board that has been roiled by conflict. Now, uh, this is all speculation, but what I've heard was I, I heard that Novak Djokovic's team, and I haven't, it hasn't been written in this article, but I heard that Novak Djokovic's team has actually, actually told him to step down from the role and focus on tennis because... Federer and Nadal are like best friends. They love each other. They're friend, they're, you know, best friends. And I'm not saying they don't like Djokovic, but they're not as close to Djokovic as they are with each other. So to have two of the big three in that, you know, they're going to have a lot of, you know, they're going to have a lot of power. A lot of, you know, whatever they say probably will happen, right? Uh, Federer and Nadal. So Djokovic might be get outvoted. Djokovic has, in the past as well, said that he'd rather play three set matches at Grand Slam level. I know the ATP doesn't control Grand Slam level, but uh, and I think that's a terrible idea as well. But Federer and Nadal won't let that happen. They won't let Djokovic. Djokovic is going to get outvoted two to one every single time uh, when they when they go to a vote that Nadal Federer agree with and Djokovic doesn't. So his uh, his team, Djokovic's team, had told him to step down from the role. Djokovic went, "No, I'm staying." I don't think it's a good thing for him. I think he should have stepped down. I mean. He's probably run. He was the most powerful player in that group. Now you got two of the greats come in. He's not going to have that same power as he did, uh, and and influence over the over the structure of the ATP. Anyways, let's go down a little bit further. Uh, Djokovic addressed his frustration with the player council in pre-tournament comments of to Wimbledon this year. Uh, he says the ATP governance structure prevented players from making significant changes. Stan Wawrinka has also criticised the ATP's leadership, saying in an unpublished letter that it is plagued by political chaos and numerous conflicts of interest. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't think it really affects us too much at this stage. But it'll be interesting to see what Nadal and Federer do uh, when they get into here and, and uh, you know, um, if, they can if they change any rules. I mean, the only thing I think they would be talking about would be the, the schedule of the tournaments. Uh, you know, maybe Federer wants more grass court season i don't know like i don't know what they'll end up doing but yeah novak djokovic he is now uh, in there with nadal and federer but like i said i don't think djokovic is djokovic has got different uh views on how the schedule should be compared to federer and nadal uh so i think there might be a little bit of conflict there and uh, i i don't know djokovic doesn't need to be there if you've got nadal and federer i think you've got enough power in the atp players council and Djokovic should focus on trying to be the greatest player of all time, uh, getting all the Grand Slam titles and beating Federer's record. I think that's where his focus should be instead of being on this council that, you know, doesn't really need him anymore. Let me know in the comments down below what you guys think about that one. All right, last story of the week. Andy Murray is returning. So we did talk about this a little bit. We'll talk about this a lot more in the draw preview in a second. 
Andy Murray is back in the singles next week. So we did talk about this last week that he was probably going to, if he wasn't going to play in Cincinnati, he'd probably play later in the year in singles. Uh, he's been playing doubles, of course. We've, we've seen a little bit of that happening, uh, especially starting at Queens Club where he won the title there. Uh, so now he's coming back. He looked good. He feels good. He's back. Let's go down and read a little bit of this story. Former world number one makes his singles return next week at the Cincinnati Open, um, which is so good to see. I'm excited. I'm excited to see Andy Murray back. It should be a lot of fun, um, especially if he's playing, if he plays to the level he used to play, or at least moves to, moves around the level he used to play. Uh, Murray began his comeback in June in the doubles. We've talked about that. Uh, Murray posted a picture of himself clenching his fist in trademark fashion, saying that feeling when you accept a wild card for the singles in Cincy. So I don't know if he'll go to the US Open. I mean, playing one singles, potentially one singles match and then playing the US Open might be a little bit of a struggle. But if he feels good after his first match... Uh, maybe he does play the US Open. He'll get a wild card. I think he's got a protected ranking, so there's nothing to worry about there. Uh, but I like the fact that he's back. I feel like he's one of the only players uh, in the game that can really struggle, uh, really put a test on guys like Djokovic and Nadal and Federer as well. So uh, him and Del Potro are some of the players that I I, I like seeing test those big three because uh, we had the big three dominating over the last couple of years so it'd be nice to see Andy Murray jump back in there and, and try and you know being unseated especially at the US Open he could play Djokovic first round I mean that should be the final right so we'll see what happens there Andy Murray's back next week we'll, we'll keep up to date with that we'll go through the draw and we'll show you who he's going to play as well in the draw in a second but uh, comment down below what do you think do you like Andy Murray let me know if you want him to uh, do well if he came back too soon or if he hasn't you know he should have come back earlier let me know in the comments down below all right so that's the news for the week now let's get into the draw preview so we've just talked about Andy Murray uh, and he is back this week so we're going to we're going to show you who he's going to play let's jump into the only match uh, sorry the only tournament playing this week in Cincinnati all right, we are in Cincinnati now. So as you can see, defending champion is Novak Djokovic. He beat Roger Federer in the final. This tournament feels like a mini Grand Slam tournament. We have every single player in the top, I think like the top 30 playing, except for the injuries. Uh, most of the players that are, are not playing are out of out from injury, but everyone who's healthy is playing, uh, which makes this really crazy. This is, this is very similar to... Um, before the uh, French Open, when we saw a couple of those tournaments just have every single player playing, uh, this tournament is almost like a preview of the US Open. So I, I'm really excited to see what happens with this tournament and who plays who and who plays well, especially. Let's go straight into it. As I said, defending champion is Novak Djokovic, beat Federer in the final last year. So, uh, you know, those guys are both playing again this year. Let's go to the first section of the draw now. All right, so Novak Djokovic up the top. He gets a bye in the first round. He's in the same quarter as Kareem Hashinov, who just made the semifinals last week in Montreal. So that's going to be really interesting to see if they play each other. Uh, there's a big name in there as well. You can probably see he's unseated, uh, but we'll go through that in a second. So bye for uh, for Djokovic in the first round. He'll play the winner of Query versus Hum. Uh, Herbert. So uh, Query versus Djokovic could be interesting. Query in front of his home crowd also has beaten Djokovic before uh, in the past also uh, on a hard court too. So there could be a little bit of danger there for Djokovic. Djokovic hasn't played very well at the, um, you know, he didn't play very well at uh, Indian Wells and didn't play very well at Miami. He struggled uh, on the hard court matches outside the Grand Slam level. So uh, we'll see what happens with him there. Maybe, you know, 
don't know. Sometimes he lacks motivation in these tournaments because he loves to play the big ones, but uh, we'll wait and see. He could play Query in the second round, which would be interesting. Uh, then you've got a qualifier versus Simon. You've got Lajevic versus Isna. Isna has, has had a couple of bad weeks. Also, Isna's not playing after the USO, sorry, after the Labor Cup. Isna's not going to play for the rest of the season. So this is one of the last times we're going to see Isna for the year. Uh, you've got Fanini versus Shapovalov. Now, that is an awesome first-round match. That is one of my matches to watch in the first round. Uh, Fanini coming off a quarterfinal against Rafa uh, at Montreal. And Shapovalov, he loves playing on the hard courts and he loves playing in North America. So watch out for him. He'll be fired up. You've got Puy versus a qualifier. Then you've got Nick Kyrgios versus uh, Sonigo. Now, the winner of that gets to play Hashinov, who gets a buy in the first round. So Kyrgios versus Hashinov will be really fun to watch, especially because Hashinov made the semifinals this week of uh, Montreal, or last week of Montreal. The week before, Kyrgios won Washington. So those players are in form. And also, if we can get a Kyrgios versus Djokovic quarterfinal, who knows what can, what's going to happen. Uh, Djokovic has never been Kyrgios, but it's a long way from there. Kyrgios's motivation and consistency is very hard to predict. But hopefully Kyrgios can tie it together and maybe beat, uh, maybe at least play Hashinov and then push himself towards that quarterfinal against Djokovic. But we all want to see happen later. Let's go to the second part of the draw now. Uh, Roger Federer, he's in this part of the draw. So the top half is stacked. It is stacked. Uh, you've got, you can see the names there. You've got uh, Federer gets a buy in the first round. He'll play the winner of Berrettini versus Londero. Uh, Berrettini, uh, great clay court season, great grass court season. Can he play on the hard courts? We'll see in a second uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, he'll play Federer if he wins. Uh, then you've got Dimitrov versus Ravrinka, which happens every other week. Uh, we see this matchup all the time. That is another match to watch. I think it might have happened last week as well, or the week before. Uh, we've definitely seen this matchup uh, a couple of times the last few months. Six and four in favor of Vavrinka. So even though Stan has won their last couple of meetings, uh, it's been a very close head-to-head -head rivalry. So Dimitrov, like we talked about in the rankings earlier, has dropped down 20 spots. He's 74 in the world. So low on confidence, low on form. He versus Stan again. Can he turn the tables this time? We'll have to wait and see. That's a match everyone has to watch that one. Uh, Qualify versus Silashvili. The winner of that will play against Stan or Grigor Dimitrov. Uh, then you've got the most informed player at the moment, uh, Medvedev, who's in the final against Rafa tomorrow. First ATP Masters 1000 final for him. Uh, and he also made the final Washington last week. So Medvedev in form. He versus Kyle Edmund first round. Uh, Vidasco versus Pear will play the winner of Medvedev versus Edmund. Qualifier versus Struff. And then the winner of that will play against number five seed, Stefano Tsitsipas. Now, Tsitsipas versus Medvedev. Medvedev has never lost to Tsitsipas. And the form that he's in right now, I would expect that he wouldn't lose to Tsitsipas again. Uh, but Tsitsipas versus Federer is something I really, really want to see because obviously we haven't seen that matchup. Uh, we saw that matchup in Australia, and how good was that? Uh, hopefully we get to see it in the quarterfinals again this tournament. And it could be a little bit of a preview of what might happen at the US Open, especially Medvedev versus Federer or Tsitsipas versus Federer. Could easily be quarterfinals or semifinals at the uh, the U.S. Open next uh, next month. So something we have to keep an eye on. It could be a little preview into what we're going to see in the couple of weeks at the uh, U.S. Open. So stacked first half of the draw. Let's go to the second half of the draw now. Uh, Sasha Zverev, number seven seed. He played okay last week in Montreal, uh, losing to um, losing to Hashinov. So uh, you know. He played okay, but he's not very consistent this year, so I wouldn't expect too many things from him, but maybe he can make a run here. He's got an okay draw. He'll play the winner of a qualifier versus Oje Aliassime, so that'll be fun to watch two of the uh, the next-gen players against each other in the second round. Um, Monfils versus TFO. 
Put a little bit of an asterisk around Monfils because he did pull out this week, um, oh, sorry, last week against Nadal in the semifinals of Montreal. So he withdrew from that match. Maybe there's an injury concern. Uh, just keep a little bit of an eye on what happens with him uh, in the next couple of days and if he actually plays this tournament. He versus TFO. Uh, her catch versus RBA. RBA um, got to the quarterfinals, lose, lost to Monfils uh, in Montreal last week. And her catch is a very dangerous player. So, um, It'll be interesting to see how they play against each other. You've got Elbert versus Chilich. You've got Jera versus Schwartzman. So a couple of clay court players there. And then you've got Andy Murray versus Richard Gasquet. So eight and three is the head-to-head record in favor of Murray. But um, Andy Murray's back, guys. It's so good to see him in the singles. I'm so excited. And look at that. The winner of that match gets to play Dominic Team, the number four seed. So Murray versus Team could be the second round. Uh, and, you know... No disrespect to the other players here, but if Murray is as healthy as he's as he's you know claiming to be, uh, Zverev and team are not really in form uh, on hardcore, especially for this year. Uh, RBA is pretty good. You you know you'd probably say RBA could maybe maybe beat Murray like he did in Australia at the start of the year. But Murray's got a good chance if he can get through Dominic team. He's got a good chance to making uh, possibly making the quarterfinals, maybe even the semifinals. So you know we'll find out after the gas game match. But if he can beat team. Murray has a good chance here, guys, and I'm not just saying that because I'm excited for Murray to be back. He's in the, probably the best part of the draw. He avoids playing against Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal until the semifinals. So watch out for Murray. If he can get through those first couple of matches, he might be able to get to a semifinal uh, and play against Rafa in the semis if Rafa gets that to that stage as well. Let's go to the last part of the draw now. So you've got Nishikori at the top there. He versus a, the winner of a qualifier versus or Jordan Thompson. Pretty easy draw there, you would expect, for Nishikori. Uh, you've got Dimonov versus Chekinado. Now, Chekinado, we joke about him a lot on this channel. He's not great at any other surface, but we'll wait and see what he can do on a hard court here. Uh, but I don't expect him to win that match. Uh, Opelka versus Chorich. Fun match. Uh, Opelka, the big serve. Chorich, the great return. A good style matchup there. Watch out for that match there. Um, Riley Opelka is one of my favorite players to watch out of the younger generation, so definitely watch that. Also, uh, Opelka versus Dimonor, we've had that happen already a couple of times this year. That could be a second-round match, uh, which everyone should watch. Again, contrast in styles, Dimonor the returner, big-serving uh, Opelka, so a couple of good matches there to watch out for. Uh, Goffin versus Fritz, that could be cool to watch because Fritz has been in a little bit of form lately uh, on the hard courts, and Goffin can play on hard court too, so we'll see what happens there. You've got Pella versus a qualifier. Uh, Pella's been in a little bit of good form as well. And then you've got Garen versus Manorino, the winner of that match, to play against number two seed Rafa Nadal, who um, gets a bye in the first round. So, I mean, Rafa's got a pretty good draw. I don't see anyone really hurting Rafa until the semifinals. Uh, and even then, I think Rafa's got a pretty clear run to the final. Uh, Nishikori doesn't really trouble Nadal. Uh, Opelka might do something against Nadal in a massive upset, but that's in the quarterfinals, so he has to get there first. Uh, but I think Rafa, maybe Goffin can struggle, uh, can, can test Rafa like Vanini did this week. Sorry, last week. Um, but I would expect that Rafa probably gets out of this part of the draw. Uh, pretty easily, unless some sort of form of tiredness happens uh, due to last week playing uh, all the way to the final in Montreal. So I think Rafa could probably win this part of the draw pretty easily, make the semifinals, uh, and probably make the final as well uh, in that one. All right, so that is the draw preview. That's the draw preview for Montreal, and uh, a lot of exciting matches coming up. Obviously, Andy Murray coming back. Uh, you've got the big three in action. A lot of players that are in form. Hashinov, Medvedev, Kyrgios is back uh, in the first round there against uh, Sonigo. So there's a lot of good matches next week. 
I'm excited for next week. I think next week's going to be, it almost feels like tomorrow, next week's going to be a, uh, a US Open. Uh, mini, it's a mini US Open next week, so get excited for that one. Let me know down in the comments below if you're um, who you're excited to watch, uh, especially Andy Murray fans. I know there's a lot of you out there. Uh, let me know if you're excited for him to come back, and let me know if you're actually uh, you think he can do as well as I think he might be able to do if he can beat Dominic Team in that second round. Uh, what we're going to do with next week, also with our live shows, is we're going to go from the quarterfinals onwards. So um, it's kind of like what we did this week. Friday night, most of you, it'll, it'll be Friday night. Uh, some of us Saturday morning. We're going to do the matches from Saturday onwards, so uh, quarterfinals onwards. So if you are watching the live shows, uh, make sure you come and watch them at that time. But we've got the final tomorrow against Medvedev versus Nadal, so make sure you come along to that as well. Uh, and that wraps it up, guys. Thanks for coming, and thanks for watching. Make sure you like the video, subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, thanks for listening. Make sure you rate us and uh, give us a bit of a rating there so you can let us know what we're doing and uh, if we can do any thing to improve the show episode 30 in the bag thanks for watching everybody and i'll see you guys next week